Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Vikings is back after a week off. I am Dustin Baker, and I am here on this Wednesday with Bryant McKinney, a left tackle who played for the Vikings, Ravens, and Dolphins, Ron Saw, and Michael Cornwell, a lifelong Vikings fan. Sally is off this week. We are back again um, after that week off, and we're going to talk about the Adrian Peterson fight postponed, uh, talk about Justin Jefferson's odd but awesome comments on Wednesday. The biggest change to expect in the Vikings offense, Kyle Rudolph going to the Bucks. Kevin O'Connell is the odds-on favor per Bavada Sportsbook to win coach of the year, and etc. That's on the docket. Talking about the Minnesota Vikings, you know the drill. Foremost, however, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports contests, events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today. And make your first sports bet. Use our promo code. This is a little bit different. Believe, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, Believe50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And we are back. Um, Ron, this has been uh, eating at me all day. I've been wanting to ask this. So today, Justin Jefferson was asked by our guy Chris Thomason about his contract that should come up for discussion in the spring. And he said that he's focused on being the best wide receiver in the league, and he's not too fond of money. And I have searched my memory bank for three hours, and I can't remember a superstar athlete ever saying something like that. I've heard them take team-friendly deals, but I've never heard those words come out of their lips. Uh, of course, he'll eventually get a, a big payday, but <laughs> well, did this blow your socks off, Ron? Well, you know, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I saw him say that, and especially out of the wide receiver position, you don't typically hear them talk like that because they have that diva mentality. But in a way, um, you know, maybe he's wise beyond his years as far as when it comes to something like that. I know his brother um, played, um, and I think it was a if he was drafted in the NFL, but never played in the NFL. Uh, but I think he just has the mindset of if I go out there and do my do my work um, mm-hmm. and show my worth that part will come. And I, I think in the younger generation and yes, you know, now that we're all in that, you know, we're closer to B max era than, <laughs> than we are this era coming up. Um, you don't see many kids that are like that where, you know, like, you know, B mag, you played on that uh, Miami team with, 
you know, 30 something NFL players. So you guys are all in college before the NIL, you know, and all this now and going out handling your business. And then everyone went on to, you know, most of them had successful hall of fame caliber careers for a lot of them. So Mm -hmm. what is from your standpoint, when you hear that you hear a player kind of say, I'm not worried about money or I don't like money. I just (laughs) want to be the best. Um, What Um, is your mindset when you hear that? To be honest, I think that's just something to to be said to make it sound nice and make it seem like that money isn't like the money is a factor. Oh, absolutely. Um, But I, I definitely think that, he wants to just show like his love for the game or kind of put it out there that he has more of a love for the game than the money, but definitely he's not going to take a little deal either. So money definitely <laughs> right. And that's why I took it as more of like, if I go out there and if I show I am the best or I'm in that conversation, the money will take care of itself. You know, right. like the guy, like the top, top tier guys, they might, if they take a team friendly deal, they're not getting short changed. Like, you know, mm. they're still signing these. James Every Harden. person that signs a new deal is getting, you know, the record deal, right? So he's 22, 23 years old. When he be, he'll be the highest paid receiver while that'll probably only last a year because then Jamar Chase's deal will come up yeah. and so on and so on and so forth. So it's not like when, you know, Hutch signed here with the seven for 49, it's like seven million a year for an interior lineman. That's unheard of. Now mm. that's, that's chump change. <laughs> The weird thing, Ron, is he had the opportunity to say the money will take care of itself or we'll talk about that when the time comes. But he point blank said, I'm not fond of money. (laughs) That's the it's like a socialist wide receiver. That's the the weird part. Brian, have you ever played with players that are like, yeah, the money isn't isn't my. Remember, I played with straight cash, homie. So, I mean, I don't really know too many people (laughs) who are going to say they're not fond of it, but. I think he just, I feel like he really was just trying to say, like, you know, express that he has such a love for the game that the money isn't like a big deal to him, but it, it is a deal situation, but it's not a big deal. Like, he, he loves the game that much. So it's probably with, uh, like, he's starting to get some of these endorsement type deals. And now being a left tackle, even though you were one of the better to best left tackles in the game for a while, left tackles, they don't market like they do a wide they receiver. <laughs> so <laughs> They should have us, like, eating, like, you know, like... Subways. Like, <laughs> Subway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, ketchup commercials will put stuff on, like, hot dogs, hamburgers. Or like, just something why not, like, so, like, insurance? Like, so what another like, way okay, to have protection? <laughs> this fills up... Or, yeah, insurance. I used to always say that, too. That like, was insurance for the quarterback. We yeah. Insurance commercials. Things like that, you know. Yeah. It is weird. Don't creative see enough to think that. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, thanks for Mike. You were on the show a couple times last year. Thanks for joining again, sir. How you been? Not bad, not bad. Uh, I'm waiting for the Arm and Hammer baking soda, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, sponsorship, right? That, that's the money maker right there. <laughs> right. Let me ask you about uh, Jefferson, sir. So, Mike, I know you were about your money. Um, it's this. If you tried to write in a movie screenplay the best possible thing you could hear from a superstar player's mouth, this would be it. Like, you know, essentially saying he didn't express any disgruntlement with the team, said he doesn't fond of money. How long until this gets reeled back? Or do you think that it will just be a nothing burger when his contract talks come up and boom, he signs? Yeah, I, I think there's certain certain athletes that have the political correctness down, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they say they say exactly what should be said, um, you know. And I, I think Justin Jefferson is one of those one of those athletes. And then you have the other athletes that just 
probably to the team's chagrin speak speak from the heart and say things that their team's trying to backpedal on and and you know his, his news yeah his newsworthy <laughs> and uh sound bite and all that kind of stuff i don't think you'll ever hear that kind of stuff from justin jefferson i think at the end of the day to be max point right like he, he clearly he cares about money he knows he's going to get paid but he strikes me as the kind of guy that he's not going to come out and say anything that people are going to latch onto those words and make it a big deal, a big distraction for the team. He's actually almost paranoid about being painted in that light. You'll recall in 2020, a December game against the Bears, he was on a microphone. I think he said, fuck, Kirk, throw the ball. Like, and he was frustrated. And of course, the media twisted that as though oh, Jefferson doesn't like his quarterback. And he point blank tweeted, I ain't no diva. Don't get it twisted. So I think that he is aware, <laughs> self-aware that, you know, I don't want to be like one of these, these prima donnas. And it just so happens that the Vikings have this guy who's like this dream, everything, this, this beacon of, you know, wide receiving yards and touchdowns, and then happens to say these things financially. Now, what I was uh, whispering there, Ron, when you were talking was about James Harden. About two weeks ago, he told the 76ers, uh, just pay everybody else whatever's left over. I'll take it, which implies from the headline that he's going to pay for like two or three million. Nope, he got 35 no. million. <laughs> no, it was it was like a 20 percent. Yeah. You know, less. But I mean, that's the way the money is in the NBA. But I was going to say, like, uh, back to with Jefferson, um, you know, you kind of alluded to that um, that game, you know, with the overthrow in the end zone. Um, but I think, again, back to his personality, that just seems to who he is, because coming go back to his college years when he was on LSU and that LSU team, you know, in a way would rival Bryant, your Miami team, where just dominant, um, you know, a lot of. NFL talent on that team, obviously Joe Burrow, um, mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, all these guys. But when he was at LSU, he wasn't the number one guy. It was Jamar Chase, and even Terrace Marshall um, was essentially that number two guy. Um, so I think that just comes with when you go, and Brian, you probably had a lot to say with this too. When you go to a program, when you are like that, like when you were in Miami, like they were a bigger draw than the Dolphins and LSU in their run, they were a bigger draw than New Orleans at the time. So is there something that comes with that where when you are the priority in that area or in that market, like you kind of develop those NFL like habits before you get to the league? Is that something that helped you out a lot? I mean, what helped us out a lot is we had a lot of guys who were already in the league coming back and kind of schooling us on how things were operated too. So I'm not sure if they had that or not, but, um, and so we use that to kind of give us an idea how to, you know, kind of run the team and make sure all the players were accountable for each other. So I don't know if they have that or not, but I mean, just being on the team, I feel like for him and him not being the number one guy, he was around those guys, those other guys who were, and he probably watched how they interact and, and moved. And now he just took that personality and brought it here in Minnesota. B-Max, switching topics here. <clears throat> the Adrian Peterson-Le'Veon Bell fight was postponed because some other main event didn't flush out. And I want to get your honest opinion. Do you think this fight ever happens now? I think so. Um, so I'm pretty sure they've both been training and they don't want it to go in vain. And I'm I'm pretty sure they're both still up to doing it. So okay, I think it'll happen. They'll just change the date. They'll train a little longer, but they'll change the date. It'll happen. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that the... The, pr- the promoter said that tentatively targeting September and um, it just assumes that neither player will sign with a football team. So um, it can okay. happen, but I read speculation that <clears throat> this would be the type of thing that would derail the fight altogether. Um, you know, especially if one wasn't 
Hart wasn't in it. And so I just wanted to get your take. But yeah, if you say you think it'll probably happen, it's something to look forward to. Did you get a chance to catch up with Adrian? Um, I know you a couple weeks ago you said that. You uh, yeah, because he was on vacation a couple weeks ago, and then I totally forgot to reach out to him this week, so I haven't I haven't talked to him. Because before the I, fight was called off, Le'Veon, like I saw a headline or whatever where he came out and said that he's putting football aside and he's focusing strictly on this fight. Because again, I'm sure the different types of training that you have to do, like yeah. it's not like taking a pounding like a running back. It's now you got to be more finesse let's say so um i mean it was interesting when i heard that because he is the younger of the two backs with with, who took a year off you know at his peak so it seems like he has a little more tread on the tires than adrian at 35 36 or whatever it is um just normal wear and tear as a running back so i thought it was interesting when he said that and then the fight gets called off and now it's like you know or postponed so Mm -hmm. i still want to see it I want. I want to say. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian, a, you were going to be in LA too. Now put the yeah. damper in your. Yeah, I leave on Sunday for LA. <laughs> yeah, tell yeah, us. About I've, that. Heard, I've heard rumblings. I've heard rumblings that uh, BMAC is fighting somebody. I don't know if that's legit or if that's. Uh, <laughs> You're trying that's to sign me up Shaq to fight. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding, right? Are you kidding? Or are you being for real? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, I was like, oh my goodness, we got to see this. Uh, so tell us about your tell us about your trip. So Sunday you head for uh, the show. Tell us about it, sir. Yeah, so Sunday I head out back out to LA for um, America's Got Talent, and we're out there. I'm out there at least to the 11th, um, and we start back filming for that. So uh, yeah, I'm out there for about two weeks. Um, get ready for I guess different rounds of America's Got Talent. So. Wow, it's, it's I thought exciting. it was a couple I thought it was a couple days, but two weeks is no joke. Yeah. Uh they actually was trying to get some of us to come today. But um every it was like last minute the S group of us come today. So for the most part, we'll all come in on Saturday and Sunday and we start rehearsing and everything on Monday. Wonderful. All right. So do you think you'll be able to join next Wednesday or is that up in the air? Um what time is it? I should be able to. Our days, I know when I get there on Monday, I know our schedule. So okay. I should be able to because it'll be 6.30 there. So, yeah, I should be able okay. to. Cool. You did set the precedent, too, because you did call in when you were on Love and Hip Hop in Miami. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I did. So. <laughs> I had to go in the car. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was that was awesome. I don't recall the days being that long um, from, the, from the last time we were there. I don't recall us still being at 6.30. Well, I mean, I would just let them know that I have, you know, something at 630. Yeah. Remind me because the time difference too, I, throws me off. Yeah, I just got back from Hawaii and that's five hour difference. <laughs> and that was weird. Right. That was weird. With the first two days there. Oh, my God, it was weird. We just had to, we ended up <clears throat> as a family going to bed at about 8 or 9 p.m. every night just because our bodies were like, all right, it's time. Be lucky that you weren't there during when sports were going on. Yeah, I was there in uh, June of 2013. Um, so and when LeBron and uh, yeah. Heat were going through the Pacers that series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, watching basketball at 2 p.m. You know, is a uh, in Hawaii was not ideal, but I definitely had to <laughs> do was, it. So. That that was uh, the the series of Roy Hibbert's life. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember that vividly. All right, Mike, let's uh we haven't talked to you like I said for about a year. So we don't we don't have any of your takes on Kevin O'Connell, Quasi at Apimensa. So we're gonna get to those in the next 45 minutes. So I'm gonna start. Uh since you sit adjacent to me at all of these Vikings games and have done so for five years, 
I know that you've been a somewhat frequent critic about how the Vikings offense would get boring or vanilla or do the same shit. And I don't think that's on the docket now because this coach is an offense first thinker. So I want to ask you, um, what is what are you most expecting to be different about this O'Connell offense from the Zimmer offense of the past eight years? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually super excited. I think uh, a couple of words come to my mind, creativity, unpredictable. Um, yeah, you, you probably got sick and tired of hearing me say that, right, uh, during the games. But honestly, when I was thinking about, like, O'Connell, obviously the jury is still out for him as a head coach, but I'm, I'm hopeful that when you look at coaches like Andy Reid, Sean McVay, uh, Sean Payton, right, where it's like creativity, full usage of the offense, same formation, different outcomes, uh, all that stuff that I feel like has been lacking uh, from us. I, I'm hopeful that, that that will come, right? I mean, Dalvin in the flat, right? I've said that a million times, right? You <laughs> use use running backs, uh, Irv coming back. I, I'm just I'm just thinking unpredictable, right? I just felt like defense is new to a degree, kind of where our go-to plays were. Mm-hmm. And we had a ton of talent, but why were we never able to get over that edge, right? So that that if you never know what's coming, you never know the formation looks the same. And as a defense, you don't know what's coming. I think that's when you're scary as a team. So I'm hopeful that's where we'll be creativity and unpredictability ron so i'll tell you mine is just utilizing and emphasizing wr3s and wr4s like the rest of the world because it was an absolute perk treat dream that kj osborne finally in zimmer's eighth year became a wr3 that was used and was dependable and i i want that solidified for the rest of time and then i want a wr4 to be something like just more than just you know, Chad Beebe or some anonymous person. Uh, Ron, what is your, your biggest change you expect to see or what you're most looking forward to about the new offense? Well, you know, I think Mike nailed it on the head and I'll go even a step further with that is not just plays with different outcomes that, that defenses seem to know what was coming philosophically. We were, it seemed like we were very to the book on everything, like a new blackjack player sitting at the table and looking at the card. What do you do on this play? What do you do on the, like it was, run on first down if you get three or more yards um then it's a pass and like just again very vanilla so that's what i'm looking forward to rather than just the motion and all that type of stuff just the hey if it's second and 18 you're not just gonna do a draw play or a screen play just to get some yards back maybe you take a shot and do a deep in or something because you have weapons on the outside that can get open. Um, and then also Dustin, to your point with the the depth at wide receiver where um, that w- one of the things I think is actually one of Kirk's biggest faults in my mind is the fact, the way he goes through progressions, he's almost too meticulous. It's, it's never an ad lib like, Oh, this guy's, you know, covered up here. I'm going to go to this side because that's what I see on film and whatnot. It's more so, okay, here's read one, read two, read three. And when you don't have the offensive line in front to protect, that's when he seemingly gets in trouble and takes a sack. So granted, I think a lot of that might've been more of the hamstrungness from Mike Zimmer and what he allows. I know people still like to bitch and moan, like he doesn't call audibles or whatnot. Well, I don't think he was given that freedom to do so. And I think that's the one thing I'd like to see um, the Kirk, you know, take that next step. Um, while I still think he's uh, an above average starter um, and in, I'd put him in that same Stafford tier of quarterbacks, but I think he has the capability to have games where he looks elite um, but he has to do that in going through these progressions. And I think having the 
the freedom on offense is what I'm looking forward to the most. It's, hey, we as fans sitting there can all see, hey, they're playing the inside slant. Let's check out of that and go to a fade or something outside, back shoulder, whatnot. Because he can make every single throw in the book. Jefferson can run every route, feeling, doesn't drop a thing. So um, I'd like to see the players utilized to their strengths where the last few years doesn't seem to be the case. Unless you're CJ Ham, He was used to his strength a lot. Yeah, hey, Dustin, real quick, right? So mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I lived over in Europe last year, right? And I literally remember I'm, I'm sitting in, in this guy's bar that I got to know really well, and I hooked up my laptop to their big screen, and we're watching a Vikings game, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember calling the plays because we were so predictable. I was like, hey, they didn't understand American football. I'm like, watch, here's what's going to happen, right? And I'm like, dude, if, if some no-name guy sitting in Albania can call the plays – how, literally how, literally how in a, Albania. Right. Like how, how can a how can a certified NFL defensive coordinator not not know what's coming? And and that's where it just got super frustrating. Oh, I agree. Uh Ron, I think on the the trigger shyness from Cousins, I think we're gonna have a referendum this year because I'm pretty sure Cousins is even on record saying that he's a little paranoid about turning the ball over and right. we're going to find out this year if that is an inherent personality trait or if that was derived from Zimmer because there there were times like the Pittsburgh game came to mind where he had a little gunslinger like like yep, he's just going to fling it and I, I hope that somebody will tell him like hey if you throw 13 interceptions 14 interceptions but you also throw 42 touchdown passes nobody's going to care uh, and I think Cousins is either in his DNA uh, a little hesitant to force it as and get an interception or that was the Zimmer thing who was saying, God damn it. Don't you turn the ball over? And I think we're going to find out with O'Connell who will presumably preach this gunslinging mentality. Uh, wh- who was it? Who was to blame there? Um, because uh, cousin seems like the kind of guy that would be a little shy about, you know, fucking what's, up. What's his take though? Like, I, I don't remember him back at Michigan state, Washington. Like it was he, did he have a little wing it back in there? Or has he always been this way? He no. did in Washington. That's yeah. what I was going to say because, well, Washington also, they threw it a ton. Yeah. And, yeah. but he, he had inter- his interceptions. But, um, granted, he was throwing to Pierre Garcon, Deshaun Jackson, <laughs> like Jameson Crowder, like these type of guys where they're not on Justin Jefferson's level. Um, so I think he had a little bit more of that just stylistically. But yeah, I think Dustin, you nailed it. Um, Zimmer, the one thing he says every press conference is limit turnovers. Like it's right. limit turnovers. Right. And I think third down defense were always the two things they would always talk about. And they're always and good at those things. It's weird. Exactly. And so I think now I don't want Kirk to go out there and be James Winston and be 30-30, but I want to see him like, you know, in the good old Randy Moss days where Dude's gonna be open. Like I don't care if you know you're, he's he's getting the ball every other play. It's you still gotta stop him from getting the ball. Like who cares? So yeah. um, and Kirk is again. He's proven to be a very accurate quarterback who can make every single throw. So assuming the product the protection in front of him is adequate, um, we have the guys the weapons on offense to to really do some damage. And so I I would love to see him go out there and just uh, you know just you know pedal to the metal and hey we're gonna air it out and if if give me a little happens, pepper, right give me exactly. a little action in there yeah i would and if, if kirk throws a touchdown pass and gets his roll on i would love it <laughs> 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 just, just let him bring that swag back and you know 
and go big timers on it and call it a day. <laughs> you know, you know, Ron, the 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 weird thing about so let's a baseline here is that Zimmer never had bad seasons. He always had when they were bad, they were mediocre. Eight and nine, seven and nine, eight, seven and one. Even when we felt the team was bad, which means seven and nine. They were still at the top of the league in fewest turnovers and third down defensive conversion percentage. They were still good at those things. So I think his message sunk in. But while the rest of the NFL was passing him by and, you know, leaving the Vikings in mediocrity, um, he hung his hat on those things probably too much, uh, you know, in that conservative mindset that Mike turned uh, talked about on offense. Brian, it's almost like you. pivoting. Or, oh, sorry, I was going to pivot to Brian kind of on that Go same ahead. thing. You played kind of with two like well with your vikings early in your career with that hey we're gonna outscore everyone because we got culpepper boss and, and the guys and then the later in your career you were kind of on the opposite where when we had ed reed on and he basically said just if every possession needs to end in a kick whether that's a field goal or extra point or a punt there's no turnovers like from an offensive lineman's perspective like well which one did you have more fun playing in the let it roll and or <laughs> the one that hey we just have to limit mistakes let it roll because that gives me off the field faster. <laughs> uh, you could be like going the 35 yard line and then Randy would say something called like picking peanuts was like a little thing he would say. That means he was going to catch it off the top of the defender's head. Uh, Dante just got to throw it up. And once you heard that, I was like, okay, just hold your block, hold your block. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, that means that we're going deep and just hold, you know, try to hold your block a little longer, like extra longer because. He needs more time. So whenever I heard like that conversation in the huddle, I knew it was a high chance to get off the field, like and go down there and kick field goal. So and it was more I felt like it was more exciting too for fans too to see like big plays and things like that happen instead of marching down the field and then selling with a field goal, you know? <laughs> right. Did your I think I've asked you this before way back when. Um so when when Ron was talking about the Moss era, they were unabashedly a pass first team. They even called it the ratio. And then Adrian came along in 2007. And for a couple of years there before Favre joined, it was more run, run, run. Did your job description change? Did you have to change how you played or was it pretty much the same, just with different focuses on offense? Um, I used the opportunity when it was more run is to be more physical in the run to wear down the pass rush. So I didn't mind that, especially on away games. I didn't mind. Like, we had to stay ahead. Like, you don't want to get behind because if you get behind on the way games, you're just throwing. But, like, I would use the opportunity, especially if it was a good pass rusher, to just use my weight and just lean into him and just keep colliding <laughs> to wear him out, you know? So, I didn't mind that either, either. You know, but I just knew, like, there's some big plays, like with Moss, you could just take a couple big plays here and there and you're down the field faster. But with Adrian, though, Adrian would get big yardage, like, he would get big gashes as well, too, so on the land, too. So it was kind of different. Imagine having both of them. That's amazing. That brings up a good point. Like, So obviously you played in those airs with both of them at the Metrodome, which was you know notoriously loud. From when you were on the field, which one had a bigger cheer when they were free? Like, because <laughs> – like, I mean, like you know what I mean? Like, as a fan, because you're watching – well, because when the ball's in the air and it's going to Moss, like, the the cheers start. But then when Adrian had the ball, like, you kind of knew also, like, oh, he's got something there. It, it, it was different because for Moss, it was like 
And a lot of times people automatically knew once they seen like a pass going, they was already <laughs> screaming. But for Adrian, it's like a buildup of a scream, like, so it was like two different like sounds almost. It was like the Moss one, like when you hear that the loud sense. scream, you know, you can kind of let off when the Yeah, like, screams. oh, okay, he's about to catch the ball. Like, he wasn't even caught it yet, but they was already screaming. Like, they could just probably see the separation between him and the DB or something. So they already knew, like, oh, he's going to catch this. And then with Adrian, it was like, uh, like <laughs> Did you ever catch yourself, like, as the, the cheers are getting louder to look up field, like, and then kind of be a fan, like, of, like, wanting to watch them, I like, watched the live. <laughs> <laughs> That was the problem. I watch because sometimes you can just tell like he's going, he's going for a touchdown. So I would like you watching. <laughs> I, watch, I did watch a lot. Yeah, I'm sure those films. I'm sure those films. Maybe you watch the downfield. Like okay, man, I was just watching. <laughs> you're so far away from me. There's nothing I can do. Like you know, way back there. <laughs> All right, uh, Mike. So next topic is Kyle Rudolph, who was in the Vikings rumor mill for about six, seven, eight weeks, potentially reuniting with the Vikings because he said he would like to come back. He didn't do that. He went to go play with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and wisely chasing Super Bowl rings as his career starts to tick down. Um, so I came up with this idea. Do you th- and then uh, uh, obvious fact, Stefan Diggs plays for the Bills, and these are the two top teams per odds makers to reach and win the Super Bowl. So, Mike, who gets Super Bowl ring first, if any? Kyle Rudolph in Tampa or Stefan Diggs in Buffalo? Oh, man, I, I would love to see Rudy get a ring just in general. Um, and I, 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 I think for me personally, I think I'd go Diggs, and, and here's why, right? I just I, – I think Josh Allen is the guy that makes everybody better. Um, I, I think Brady is clearly that guy, but I, I – it's got to be coming to the end with him, right? I just, I just mm-hmm. feel like like everything, you know, for teams to win championships, like everything has to go right, um, including having some luck in there. Um, and I just think, you know, yeah, it went well for Brady that first year in Tampa. They got it. But I, I just don't see that happening. I don't see everything lining up and going right for that. Whereas I think I think Buffalo is – you know, probably a team that's that's going to have their way with a lot of teams this year. So I, I think if it comes down to me to answer that question, I would say who's going to get the ring first, Allen or Brady, right? And and I would go Allen on that. So I, I think Diggs is, is going to get his ring. Okay. Ron, Rudolph or Diggs, who gets, who gets the hardware first, if any? So I actually, I would lean, um, because it's either going to be this year or not really for yeah. the Bucks. I think. Mm-hmm. So I... For for one of the main reasons I lean Bucks, um, because the NFC is more wide open, or not, it's more wide open in the fact that there aren't as many top heavy teams in the in the NFC that there are in the AFC. Um, and granted, both both of those teams are going to be running through weak divisions. Really, I mean, Patriots, sure they yeah. had a, you know a solid year, but you know the Jets are the Jets and the Dolphins. You know, Tua still has to show a lot. Like they 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 have a track team on on the field, but let's see if Tua can take that step. And then the Falcons are going to be bottom feeders. The Panthers, Matt Rule is, you Mm -hmm. know, not an NFL coach. And Jameis Winston is the quarterback in New Orleans. So um, nothing against him, but he's going to throw his picks. Um, So I think the the Bucs will have a easier path. And then the other part of it is Buffalo, I think, will likely get either one of those top two seeds, so they'll have home field advantage, and that will actually, I think, be a detriment to Buffalo because 
you know, we saw that game um, last year against New England when uh, Matt Jones threw it three times or whatever. It's <laughs> the Buffalo can, conditions are going to be uh, are going to be difficult to play in, and until they get a running game that's not Josh Allen, um, I don't trust them because Josh Allen still has that those inaccuracies to him. While I do think he is that guy that can elevate a team, I think he has. <clears throat> faults in his game that they don't have compliments to make up for. Um, I mean, Cook is obviously, I think, going to be a good receiving back, but they don't have that guy that you can hand it to and let him churn some clock, um, and that, that's going to keep their defense on the field, get them tired, and uh, they still have to go through either a Mahomes-led team or, you know, like that a- a- AFC West is going to be tough. So um, I I think the, the Bucks have the better shot. Yeah, every – team in the AFC this year and probably next year will have to go through Russell Wilson, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Bill Belichick, and Joe Josh Burrow. Allen, and Joe Burrow. <clears throat> and what is that? <clears throat> About nine or 10. So yeah, I think on sheer top heaviness, Brady probably has a better path to get there. But I also believe, because I'm not a fool in that Brady magic, that son of a bitch always like <clears throat> every other year, every other year they get <clears throat> some capacity. He gets there. Just finds well, every way. year. It's like he's like age is gonna like I'm in my mid thirties and age hits me on a regular basis. And I'm I sit at a desk all day. Like I'm not 45 throwing a football getting hit by 300 pounders. So it, I'm sure it'll be one of those where like kind of like Ben Roethlisberger was where all of a sudden age hit him and he couldn't throw the ball. Like he couldn't throw the ball downfield like he once could. So, um, but with him, it's like, well, it's not this year. Maybe mm-hmm. it'll be next year. But then the other, the other thing with those teams, you said all those teams that have the top heavy in the AFC, they also have really good defenses, the chargers, the Raiders, mm-hmm. like um, the, the NFC, the top heavy teams, the Packers, their defense isn't very good. I mean, like realistically, um, like there's not, any elite defenses in the in the NFC that have the quarterbacks to match? I think Brady just came back because he was pissed off that somebody else leaked his retirement. Right? He's <laughs> he strikes he strikes me as a guy that he's got to control every single thing that happens, not only in his life but on the planet. And the fact <laughs> yep. that somebody else said he's retiring, he's like, you know what? Whatever, I'm bringing it back. Right? I'm bringing it back because then I'm going to say I'm retired. I I don't know. I, I I agree with you. The AFC is very top heavy. Um, and, and that's going to be a tougher path. I just, I, I don't, and, and maybe I'm the idiot betting against Brady here. Right. But I, I don't think it's going to all come together. I think the other, uh, the other factor is, uh, Bruce Arians. I don't think him and I give, I don't know. I'm not saying it was cousins Kirk or cousins Zimmer like, but I don't think they got along. And I think once yeah. like, it was kind of like, you can either have Arians, um, or me. And they clearly were like, well, we'd rather have Tom Brady and Todd Bowles than Arians and, uh, whoever Kyle Trask. Yeah. When you were talking about Roethlisberger, Ron, the same thing also happened to Peyton Manning, but nobody cared Mm -hmm. because his defense was so good that they still won a Super Bowl, but he was atrocious in that season. He was a bad quarterback. It was almost like Dilfer, but just, you couldn't say it out loud because they kept winning. And even Osweiler was winning with them and kept that season afloat. Um, But 
Manning, even Breeze, the last couple of years, like before he retired, like people <laughs> did not want to admit Breeze is cooked. Yeah. Like his yeah. deep ball was no longer when when they're bringing Taysom Hill to throw deep balls. When that's a terrible mis- decision, anyways, because all he does is either run for a lot of yards or throw an interception. Um, like when he's throwing the deep balls, you, the coach knows that Breeze is cooked. Like, and I, I'm not nothing against it because. Being a quarterback in the NFL, obviously, is as difficult as it is. But then when you lose that arm, like, you know, that arm strength yeah. and everything that you're used to, like, you know, like the fact that Brady's able to every year after year show, like, th- that durability and, like, weathering time, like, it's – he sold his soul to the devil somewhere. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, – <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's going to be – No, no, no. It, it's the avocado toast, man. Like, it's just <laughs> – Cool, he's going to cool be proof. 45 here next month, or actually about a week, a couple weeks. That's so crazy. It's wild. That, Bryant, <clears throat> Bryant, Bills or Bucks, if you had to choose to win the Super Bowl? Um, The Bucks, they just added like another great player, too. Julio. Um, Julio. Yeah, and I feel like, I feel like he, like, they really like, he's like almost like the GM of uh, Tom Brady. <laughs> he tells them what he needs, and they go out and they get it, and then he's able to <laughs> get them to where they need to get to. So, I feel like adding Julio Jones, as long as he stays healthy, I feel like that's a great addition to the team. That gives him another weapon. So, right. And when you have a player like that, just like how I said when we had Brett Favre the first year, all the guys around him like look up to him and they they raise their level of play up. Um, and I feel like they'll do that again. And especially adding Julio Jones, he'll be excited to be there as well too. So, I can see I can see this, I can see them getting further if they don't win. I can see them getting further. Yeah, Julio Julio Jones went from. Bottom rung of the ladder in terms of fantasy football projection, overall projection to about middle of it to the top, not all the way to the top, but we would just kind of written him off for dead. Oh, he'll sign on with the Texans or Bears, something like irrelevant like that and finish out his career. But now all of a sudden back with Brady, it's like, oh, okay, if there was one human walking mm-hmm. the earth that can extrapolate more greatness from Julio, bada bing, you've got it with the box. Yeah. And it's Julio yeah. not getting the number wide receiver one attention. Like it's, yeah. he's still a dynamic player. He's still that physical freak um, with, you know, he showed last year while he didn't string it together for a full season, he showed last year his big playmaking ability in spurts. And he's still that dude. Um, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to face him. Is he going to, is he going to be, is there any risk of him being the, the AJ green? Factor, right? There, I mean, there obviously, yeah, always is. Um, yeah. And they same draft class, but um, again, if you're like even with AJ Green, if you look at his and not talking fantasy wise, because I think you obviously he'll have his games that are blow up, but if you look at just in terms of football, like he's like he's their wide receiver three when Godwin's healthy because Godwin yeah. is still yeah. that slot guy. Mm-hmm. So now you're telling Tom Brady that he has Mike Evans. Godwin, and then now ancillary pieces are Kyle Rudolph and his great red zone threat and Julio Jones. Like, again, a guy who's just a dynamic, who breaks tackles, you know, does it in the run game and everything. So that's he's a satellite piece now, and that's, yeah. that'll mm. help him at his, you know, again, old age. What, is he 32? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and Russell yeah. Gage, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's wild how deep they're. And they're, they're to the point with the Julio edition makes it so that if something happens to Evans or a good one, it's like, yeah, who cares? Right. And like, they got an extra fullback in Leonard Fournette. So <laughs> <laughs> a tight end. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Let's this. This one blew my socks off. I couldn't believe it. So I uh, write and edit for Vikings territory.com. And 
think uh, sometime last year, I found a dude who writes about the Twins named Ted Schwerzler. He writes for Twins Daily, and he also now writes about the Vikings a little bit on our website. He had an article in my queue that talked about Kevin O'Connell having the top odds at a Bavada sports book to win coach of the year. And I was like, oh, God, I'm not going to be able to publish this because I thought it was misinformation. Uh, I was like, wow. And so I went to Bavada.com or whatever it is. And sure enough, um, plus 1,200 odds, Kevin O'Connell is the front runner to win coach of the year. Now, for some reason, this sports book is not biased because sports books don't think get biased, but it's it's skewed towards first year coaches or young coaches. Brandon Staley, I think, was second. Uh, so, Mike. Does this uh, does this surprise you that Kevin O'Connell would be the leader of the pack with the lowest odds or highest odds, depending on how you want to interpret that, to win the Coach of the Year award? Yeah, I, you know it's interesting. I think I think sometimes when you think of Coach of the Year, uh, you're looking at what either somebody that maybe wins a division that they weren't uh, projected to or has a massive turnaround, right? So when I think about you know, it doesn't even have to be first-year coaches, right? But when you think about some of the teams that might have that opportunity, um, I'm looking at okay, which which teams made some splash noise o- over the over the summer, right? I I think of Denver, um, yeah, potentially, right? I mean, they were. I think I I looked earlier seven and six and eleven or seven and ten or something last year, right? Mm-hmm. So there's an there's an opportunity if if you know Russ comes in. I know that's a that's a tough division there. Right. But if he comes in all of a sudden, they're going, you know, 11 and six or 12 and five or something like that. He, he's, he's probably uh, up for it. I think, uh, you know, when you look at Miami, um, just, just the talent they have on paper. Right. Uh, I know they were right around 500 last year, but that's that, you know, outside of, you know, Ron, to your point earlier, outside of Buffalo, that's fairly easy division. Right. So if all of a sudden they, surprise Buffalo implodes has injuries something like that and, and they make a name for themselves I could see somebody like that but I do think when you look at the Vikings I mean a couple couple things right I think we severely underachieved last year uh injuries galore right and so just the sheer fact that everybody's healthy you have a new change of regime you have a new philosophy people are back together I mean it just it just has to go higher right just just, <laughs> just by default and then if if things click um, I think that the Packers are vulnerable, right? I, I think we probably, out of all those three teams I mentioned, I think we probably have the best shot to win the division. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of a sudden you come in first year, you know, new system and you win the division in, in, in against the Packers, right? Whether, whether they're there or not, I mean, they're still the Packers. I think that would be hard to beat for, for some other coaches. So it, it doesn't shock me. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if it plays out. I think it shocked me, Ron, because Pro Football Network, I don't know if you ever read any of their stuff, Aaron Wilson, good dude, writes a lot there. Uh, for some reason or another, they ranked all NFL coaches back in June, including first-year coaches, and number 32 on the list was Kevin O'Connell. And I guess I learned, mm-hmm. yeah, I took that to heart. Um, in, in, in their defense, like all the first-year coaches were at the very bottom. It just so happened that KOC was very last. So I, I guess I shouldn't have taken that to heart, but uh, ultimately I did. And so when I saw this, I thought it was poppycock. But no, the Bavada Sportsbook lists Kevin O'Connell uh, with 1,200 as the money line, Brandon Staley, 1,400, Brian Dable, 1,500, Nathaniel Hackett, 1,600, and Mike McDaniel, 1,600. So uh, I think for this to come to fruition for the Vikings and O'Connell, the, they'd probably have to finish at least 12 and 5. And to Mike's point, win the division. Uh, does, this, does this knock your socks off at all? 
It doesn't um, in the sense that, like Mike said, it's the teams that look to make a jump. Like, I mean, we what was our record last year? We have eight or nine wins. Um, but either eight, way, right eight around, and nine. Yep. Eight okay, nine. so eight wins. So even if they if they improve by three, now that's a new regime winning an extra three games with essentially the same offense. I mean, like we it was so that literally is just the only change. So I can see it from that perspective, but then also you look at the other coaches who you might think would be favorites for that, whether it's the um, Lafleur or Shanahan or whatever, the expectations that they have are a lot higher than what the Vikings would have. Like Lafleur's won 13 games every year. He's been in the league. So if he wins 11, that that's not a coach of the year warrant. <laughs> like, I mean, it, while it's still a good year and while it could still win the division, it's, you're yeah. not as good as you were last this year. This is or... why Belichick never wins it. Exactly. Like the expectations yeah. Yeah. of it, like where if like there are coaches out there who, who keep their, like in a way Zimmer did it a lot where he kept teams afloat, like back through the ponder years and even like the run that he had with Keenum. But then also he, you could argue is the reason that it held them back at times as well. So um, kind of like you'll get Frank Reich in, in uh, Indianapolis you know, they have a good team, but there were times where it looks like he held them back because you have 28 in the backfield, but mm-hmm. you're giving it, letting Wentz air it out. So, <laughs> um, so those coaches that, <clears throat> again, that would be expected to be quote unquote, the best coaches in the league, the Andy Reeds, those type of guys, the expectations for them, if they don't get to 13 wins, they're not going to be in that running. So, um, the, the massive turnaround or just that extra catapult into that next move the team, to the next level, the Vikings are that team that's right on the cusp of being able to knock on that door of being um, a, a playoff contender where, you know, some of those other teams might not be. The, and when's the last, when's, mm-hmm. when's the, sorry, when's the last time you saw a coach of the year winner from an already good team? Yeah. To your it, point. I have to right. go. Yeah, it's usually it's usually a comeback player of the year award, but for coaches, it comeback right. system. Yeah, uh, what you're talking about, Ron, with or what I mentioned with Belichick, or what you said with uh, Lafleur, always thirteen and three. It's the same thing that's happened to LeBron. He hasn't won the MVP in the NBA since 2013, and that's absolutely <laughs> ludicrous. I mean, really, ten yeah, years. Yeah. 10 years you have you can always find somebody different it's bullshit but we're just so accustomed to it that we're like he doesn't need it um, take the advantage or you take the you take the greatness for granted yeah um yeah. and like and you it's it becomes an expectation especially when you've been doing it for that long so whether yep. that's a coach or uh or anything else it's you know you have to you you have to be able to repeat it but you have to be able to improve on it sustained <laughs> yeah. success is not is not yeah. uh, a given for coach of the year. I use this analogy a lot, um, but it's the same thing when you walk out of a Tom Hanks movie. You never turn to your wife or girlfriend and be like, God, Tom Hanks was good in that. It just That's just the yeah, way it is from now on. Yep. It's expected, yep. yep. Bryant, uh, t- uh, talking about this, this coaching change from Zimmer <laughs> to O'Connell, if you'll recall in 2005, after Dante Culpepper got hurt, um, he never played for the Vikings again, and they ended up getting a new coach. So from do you remember from the back half of 2005, to the 2006 season, could you feel a real difference between Tice and Childress and how the team felt and played, or was it kind of more of the same? Um, no, it was a, it was a difference. You could tell it was a difference <laughs> based on some of the players that we had uh, come on here and speak on both coaches. Yeah, um, uh, Coach Childress, it took some getting 
used to, um, and just like I guess it's his uh, his style was different from Coach Tice as well. Coach Tice, we all knew was a player as well, so we looked at him as somebody who kind of knew what we were going through, knew when to back things off. Um, I think Coach uh, Children was more like this numbers guy. Didn't really think about like how players felt, like you know, and um, it just was it was just two different styles of coaching, and um, it probably took a little people a little longer or never to buy into Coach Childress. And that's probably why we had the best season when we had Brett Favre coming because everybody bought into Brett Favre. <laughs> yeah, I think on <clears throat> to be honest, I don't even know Brett Favre bought into Coach Childress. Brett Favre kind of was running his own thing. I like, remember told you different stories of him changing plays while we we're out there on the field. Like I don't even you know if he totally bought into it. You can see it as a fan. It was Brett's team. It was <laughs> yeah, you I mean I could definitely can say that it was Brett's team. <laughs> so and, and he he kind of brought everybody together. So that was I mean big difference. I think when we uh, reminisce and we even talked to Tice uh, last year, I think we call him and you call him the players coach and that's accurate, but I think he was just ahead of his curve. I think he would fit in marvelously if you could transplant him at age 40, blah, blah, blah into now because this is what they are. And if they're not players coaches, they're assholes. That's that's just the way we think of them right. now. <laughs> it's kind of weird that uh, Tice was ahead of his time. All right, last topic of the night. Um, because we have officially embarked on Vikings training camp. Rookies reported on Sunday. Everybody else showed up yesterday, and they did some on-the-field stuff today, and Andrew Booth headlined things, it, it seems. Uh, so I'll start with Mike. Both Paul Allen, voice of the Vikings, and his broadcast partner, former linebacker Pete Bursich, separately, separate interviews, nominated Jalen Naylor as the surprise camp player. And I think Paul Allen even said he could win WR3. And I'm looking around going, what? Uh, but I want to know, does does the Naylor steam surprise you at all? Or who would you pick for your surprise camp player, Mike? So I, I'm very intrigued with him, but I'm cautiously intrigued, right? Because he, he doesn't, at least he didn't display blazing speed in the combine. Um, he's, I think he's, is he much more than six feet? Uh, he's, he's gotta be right around there. Right. So, you know, which is, which is not super tall for receivers. And if you're not super tall, usually it's your ability to get open or have blazing speed and combine said he doesn't have that. Right. I, I, I was reading some stuff that says he's, he's known for his ability to, to route run and, and get mm-hmm. open, which big Kirk, place. Kirk, Kirk. Yeah. Kirk is going to love that. Right. Um, because he, to your point, Ron, earlier, he's super methodical with his progressions and so forth, right? So if you're open, Kirk's going to find you. Um, I worry with his with his size, if he doesn't have breakaway speed, um, is he going to be effective? Is he going to catch some balls? Yeah, but with NFL cornerbacks, uh, NFL defenses and what have you, different different than college, right? Um, is he, is he going to ha- – is a niche going to be carved out? I hope so. To your point earlier, Dustin, I, I would love for us to have an awesome – WR3 um, that that is a great route runner that gets open that moves the chains um, takes pressure off so that we don't know it's always going to you know Justin or or Adam so I don't know I I'm curious cautiously optimistic to see him in training camp yeah Ron uh, Jalen <clears throat> ran a four five forty which certainly isn't slow but with wide receivers it's it's not on the upper tier. And so, uh, yeah, he was known for big plays. I think it was 18.3 per reception at um, Kirk's uh, Mater, uh, Michigan state. And it just surprises me that two Vikings voices, literally uh, voices would, would, would 
mark him and we talked to him what a month ago and he seems awesome um but is Naylor your surprise guy and if not who is oh actually yeah i i do think Naylor would be one of those guys because the wide receivers there's always a wide receiver that stands out you know last year it was wop and whatever um but mike <laughs> what i will say this with Naylor, um his his on-field speed is much faster than his 40 time. I can't recall if he was had an injury. I can't remember if we even asked him about it, um, but I know he had battled injuries his last year in college. Uh, but he's a legit track star. He was, a, I think, a state champion at Bishop Gorman, which is that essentially like just a charter school in Vegas. Um, <laughs> so um, he, I know, in watching his play at, at Michigan State, um, you know, he has that on field speed. So, um, but what, where I think he's gonna, he's gonna flash is, well, one is returnability. I think he is going to have the inside track to one of those jobs. Uh, but then also his physicality. So yes, he's, he's probably a little more undersized than a lot of receivers being whatever, six feet. Um, but one of his um, profiles that they had out of coming out of college was he, he loves the run block and, if you're a team that likes to have multiple wide receivers out there, if you can run block, you're going to find a like, especially if Sean McVay's offense is the blueprint for anything that O'Connell does. Um, if you can run block, you're going to find a way on the field. And I think if you can add that element and then feel or be an asset blocking, but then now it's blocking a cornerback, not a linebacker. Um, I think he will flash. Um, the other guy that I think will flash, um, and this is only going off of what Quazy was talking about when he drafted him, is um, is the corner. My, my name slipped my mind. Um, Caleb. Uh, uh, yeah. Yep. Caleb Evans. Um, yep. So uh, b- because I think he's a guy. He's got the size. I think he's like six two or six three, something like that. Um, clearly has all the measurables. And if your GM is raving about <laughs> you, that it's keeping you up. It's keeping him up all night watching <laughs> film. That's going to be a guy where you you can see will flash where it may take a while to, to um, translate to on the field in game situation. Um, like I'll go back to one of my favorite um, camp players. And I can't remember if this overlaps with your time there, Bryant or not, but fear on right. If you guys remember that name, I think he was number 66, a special team player dude just flew around the field. I think he ended up making the team as a special team guy. But it's a name that no one ever heard of coming in. But you see, like he's obviously, you know, making his case, kind of like you know, Brian, when you were talking about Anthony Herrera, it's like you get a guy who is looking to make his name in the NFL. Um, So I think you're going to see that out of some of those later round picks, rather than you know the Ed Ingrams and the you know the early picks, because those are guys that will find their way on the field sooner. But it's going to be those guys that, like, hey, we don't know anything about them, but. They, they they want to make their name on this uh, on this team. So I, I will I will say one thing re- just real quick. So mm-hmm. um, I, I live here in Detroit now, right? And so I I was actually um, talking to a buddy of mine at work um, about this, right? Because Naylor's a, a Michigan State guy, right? And so uh, my buddy Anthony, who he's a Detroit Lions fan, most of them don't like to be named, but you know I'll, I'll name him <laughs> out there, right? Like there's there's one Detroit Lions fan out there, uh, Anthony Lambert, right? <laughs> Um, but, but he was, uh, he was talking about this guy and, and he likes him. Right. And, and so for whatever that's worth, right. Uh, you know, it's a small sample, small sample size of one poor sap of a Lions fan, but he said, you guys, 
you guys got you guys got a, a good a good guy there. So we'll we'll see. We'll see if he lives up to uh making making a WR3. You're gonna have to send Anthony the link after this because I'll I'll, uh, I'll have him. Yeah, he'll I'll love say, it. Hey, you unfortunately you got a shout out. So I didn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, didn't, didn't mean for that, right? We don't shout out Lion fans here, but we'll we'll go with it. <laughs> All right, B Mac, you keep us posted for next week on how the uh, AGT goes, and okay. then perhaps perhaps we'll see you on Wednesday. Um, yeah, you should. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Anything else for the group? No. Nope. All right, good we'll to see be, you guys again. Well, yeah, thanks for joining. Good to Mike. see you. Uh, Thank you for joining, back. Mike. We'll be back yep. Wednesday to unpack camp the first week of it and skull baby for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.